Amen. Joy to the world. We are here week two of our uh, series called Hark. Hark the Herald Angels Sing as we're looking through um, some Christmas carols on Wednesday and on Sunday and the biblical truths and the doctrine that you can find inside those songs, and so on Wednesday, we've already looked at Joy to the World, and we looked at Oh Holy Night, so we had a great discussion about those last two Wednesday nights, uh, one more song this upcoming Wednesday as well, um, and then here on Sundays, we're looking at the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Hark means to what, you remember, Hark means, listen up. listen up, very good, you listened, good, Hark means to listen up, uh, and so what are these angels singing about? Why, why is it so important that we want to listen to what these angels are talking about? And uh, they say to heart, listen up, um, because there is good news, and that good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so looking at um, our best friends, do you have a best friend? Do you have someone that you just love spending all of your time with? Husbands, this is a great opportunity for you. I'm just giving it to you right there, okay? I'm just laying it out there for you. Just kind of give her a little elbow. That's you, babe. You know, that's you. I'm, just, I'm trying to help you guys out. Um, times that we, uh, people that we, that we spend time with, we hang out with, some of us have certain people that if we just want to laugh, there's, just, there's people that you want to hang out with because you always have a good time with them. There are other people that uh, it just seems like you always get into like this philosophical conversation and you're thinking, you know, big picture stuff, or you're thinking about theological things, and so you, you hang out with those, and there are other people you hang out with, you know, for various different reasons, and I just think it's interesting uh, sometimes who befriends who, and who are some people that hang out with other people. Is there, is there someone that really you shouldn't sit next to during church? You know what I'm saying? Look, looking here at this row right here, <laughs> Okay. Uh, some people are during like a reverent service, you know, you're supposed to be quiet and somber and uh, you shouldn't be sitting next to that person. Um, I, I just think it's interesting when they put things together. Like a couple years ago when they, when they put out that Batman Superman movie, I don't know if you went and saw that or not, it wasn't that great. But it was, but it was interesting, um, hey, let's put Batman and Superman in the same movie and let's just see what happens. Um, and so that was, that was pretty interesting. And so it's, um... So when, when kind of two people like that get together, you just don't know sometimes what's going to happen. I, I find it interesting, and I find it sad, really, that the guy that invented the merry-go-round never met the guy that invented the Ferris wheel. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's because they ran in different circles. I don't know. <laughs> No one leave. It gets better from here, okay? I just... <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. Sorry, I just had to go there, I guess. Um. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Let's get to the Jesus part of this, okay? Let's just go, let's just go right in here. All right, so when these two... Now, what happens... When God becomes human, what's going to happen? Uh, and we find that on our Christmas story. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 1. That's where we're going to be at. We'll obviously, we'll have it on the uh, screen here for you so you can look at. But uh, Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 1, 
is where the Christmas story is found. Um, we're looking at Hark the Herald Angels Sing. So in, in Luke chapter 2, this is, and we talked about this last week, uh, that the angels, you know, they came and they said, listen up. They interrupted the shepherds, and they interrupted the world, really, um, with this news of Jesus Christ. And so what was it like to have, you know, you're just there, you're minding your own business, you're a shepherd, and, and then angels appear and start talking to you. Of course, they say, don't be afraid. And then they begin to sing this song in Luke chapter 2, verse 13. It says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. These angels came singing this song about a wonderful Savior. Do you know this? He came singing about a wonderful Lord, and it started off as a baby, born as a baby, to grow up, live a sinless life, die on the cross for us, prepare a place for us one day in heaven, the, the whole gospel. Uh, and the angels sing this song to uh, the shepherds. Then we look at Matthew chapter 1. And what we're going to look at, look at here today as we look through verse 2 of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. At verse 2, um, here in Matthew, Joseph and Mary were, were uh, wed to be married, and it came about that Mary was with child. Well, that is a shock to any husband. <laughs> uh, but certainly in this situation, uh, they were not married yet. And so to be with child, you know, is something going on here? I don't know. So he had it in his heart to divorce her quietly because he's not sure what all is going on. And so what happens is, is that an angel comes and interrupts Joseph once again. And so here we have in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, it says, But as he considered these things, divorcing her quietly, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. See, there's that, there's that phrase again. Do not fear. That was one of the major points last week. Do, do not be afraid. Do not fear of what God has for you. It can seem scary. It can seem, are you sure you want me to do this, God? I don't know if I'm able to do this. I don't know, am I qualified to do this? Is somebody else more qualified? You know, whatever. When the Lord has something for us, when we start unpacking and seeing what God's will is for us, it can be very easy for us to become afraid at just the magnitude of what God is asking us to do. But over and over again, angels and Jesus and even the Holy Spirit would, would come and say, don't be afraid. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What a big job for Joseph as a dad to raise the Son of God. So as he's raising this, you know, the Son of God, he's teaching the Son of God how to walk and teaching the Son of God how to talk and, and teaching the Son of God how to be a carpenter, which is what uh, he did. And, and when they're out in social situations, can you imagine Joseph, the father, leaning over to the Son of God and saying, yeah, that's not how we treat people, you know, we don't do what that lady did to that guy, you know, that was very rude, we're not rude to people. The, you know, does the Son, does the... Does Joseph teach the Son of God how to not be rude? I mean, I don't know. But that's what a father does to a son, is that he teaches uh, things, you know, how to live. And just the responsibility uh, that Joseph had. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. 
Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's right. Emmanuel means God with us. And that is a huge, huge part of this Christmas story, is that God is with us. That God came from heaven, from his home and the majesty and all of this, to come down and, and not just spend some time or hang out with, but to come down and eventually die on the cross for us. It had never been done before. It's never been done before by any other religion or any other God. There really is no other God, okay? But no other religion can, can say this but our religion because it's not a religion really. It's a relationship with the actual God. It means that God with us. So we look at our song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Uh, verse 2 starts off like this. Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ, the everlasting Lord. That everlasting is key as well, um, but that is a word that everlasting means that from beginning to end. He was before the beginning, and he's going to be after the end. He's everlasting, okay? So anything inside of time, he is outside of that time. He is an everlasting Lord. He's going to live forever. And infinite is another way to say that. Uh, Eternal is another way to say that. But Christ is the everlasting Lord. And that can come to know, because he's everlasting, we can come to him with anything because he's, he's been around a while. He knows a thing or two because he's seen a thing or two type of a thing, okay? Like he's seen it and he knows it and he, he's created it and all of this. And so, you know, sometimes you hang out, like I said earlier, you hang out with certain people for certain things. You spend time with people who are smarter than you about a certain subject so that you can learn about that. Well, God, the everlasting God, created life. He knows how to live this life. So if you want to know how to live your life, that's who we go to, an everlasting God, one who is outside of time and life, and he knows exactly what we're supposed to do. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, for, us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. He's all of these things, isn't he? He's all these things. And him being the everlasting Lord, what this, what this song, when we sing this song, this reminds us and lets us know that this, this is not a short timer we're talking about here, okay? This is an everlasting God that we are praising. And all of heaven is adoring him. The next line of the song says, Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Now this is... A, a, a pillar of, of Christian doctrine and teaching and thought that Jesus came from a virgin. And this is so uniquely important to us uh, that might be mocked from other religions, but must have happened for us to understand this. As Christ came, he was fully God and he was fully human. That's, that's one of the, kind of the, the, the pillars. And this was talked about for hundreds of years at the beginning. Well, was he, was he kind of 50% God? Was he 50% this? Or what? was he God? But then he kind of took the form of human. He wasn't actually human. He just took the form of a human. Or was he God, but then he just acted like a human from time to time? 
was he human but acted like a god from time to time? All of these things were discussed and talked about and said, nope, 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 and nope. Uh, God is fully God, and he is fully man. And the way that he was able to do this was because he came from a virgin. So he came from uh, human, but not from a human nature. You see that? He came from human, so he was born of a woman as a baby, but not from human nature that came from Adam, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. But Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 it says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So this is prophesied 700 years before it happens. Some 700 or so years. Before it happens. To call out, he's going to come by a virgin, conceive, bear a son, and will call his name Emmanuel. I mean, just right down to the name, right down to everything. This prophecy that comes. But why did it why did it have to happen this way? Why did Jesus have to come from a virgin? First of all, salvation has to come from the Lord and not through human effort. If this was just a really good person who didn't sin a whole lot, well, then true salvation could not come. Because remember, this was not just a sacrifice for a person or for a, 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 you know, a year like, like had been the custom before. This is to cover all of sin for all of humanity. Back then, they had the spotless lamb that they sacrificed. There had to be this spotless, spotless, and the only way that you're going to get spotless is actual God, that deity, okay? So salvation has to come from the Lord, not from human effort, not from humans. So Jesus had to come and be conceived by the Holy Spirit and, and come from a virgin. Secondly, full humanity and deity into one there was no other way to do it if he just appeared here on earth it could be argued well a god just walks among us he's not human he just appeared and so he's got he didn't just appear but he was born of a woman so he had that full humanity but because he was conceived in the holy spirit he was fully god as well also inherited sin came from adam or the father. So Joseph had to have no part of this, or Jesus would have this inherited sin from the garden on him. But he didn't, did he? It didn't come from Adam, didn't come from the father. He came, he was born of the woman, but conceived by the Holy Spirit. So it had to be this way. There was no other way for him to just appear. It had to come this way. And that's exactly what happened. The next line says, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. So this word incarnate means to take on flesh, to have flesh. And so this God took on flesh, he became a human. John 1.1, I've read it several times, and you know it in the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? So the Word was with God, there's at least two of them there. To, with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? The Word became flesh, dwelt among us, and that's huge. We'll get to that in just a second. Dwelt among us, lived with us, hung out with us, ate with us, dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the, of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's a whole other sermon, maybe even a sermon series. 
but full of grace and truth. Not a little bit of grace, a little bit of truth. Full of grace and full of truth. I, I might need to talk about that at some point because that's, that's just fascinating. Full of grace and full of truth. That there is a truth that, that gets us to heaven, if you will, through Jesus Christ. There is a truth that happens that we have to know and that we have to read about, we have to understand. But then there's grace that comes in that helps us along with that. And so we have to have this understanding that, yes, there is a truth, there is a way to heaven, there are things that separate us from God, but grace comes in and covers that, and you have to have both of those. We'll talk about that another time. That's, that's just a good conversation. But he's full of grace, full of truth. Um, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus actually walked with us. Walked with us, talked with us, like I said, ate with us. How, how huge is that? We, we, I feel like we gloss over that a lot. How huge is that? No, no, other, no other God did that. There is no other God. But I'm just, no one else had, can do that, has done that. And I'm so thankful that God came and walked with us and we and we'll find out more here. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Raise your hand if you sinned before. I'm going to wait for everyone. All right. <clears throat> okay. We, all of us have sinned. All of us are originally from Adam. Okay. And so we have sinned. So because of that, there's a, that capital S of sin, sin into the world, and then the lowercase s that we have sinned, lied, had a bad attitude, gossiped, whatever it is. Um, when we do those things, we have sinned. And so there's no way for us to go to heaven, no way for us to have salvation, except for verse 15. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. So Adam brought sin and death, Jesus brought grace and life. Adam brought sin and death, Jesus brought grace and life. So how did this have to happen? We were lost. We were headed toward death, a spiritual death, headed toward it, if not for Jesus Christ to come dwell among us, Give up his life to bring us grace and life. He had a body just like we did. He grew up, the, the Bible says, grew up just like we did. At one point he was this tall, and he was this tall, and then he was this tall. He grew up. The Bible talks about how that he was tired. Remember how he, he had to uh, go away from the people for a little bit, that he rested while the, the, the storm was going on, and hey, don't you care about us? You're down here sleeping. He rested. He was, he was fully human. There were times that he was hungry. There was times that he was thirsty. He was a man. But God the Son is infinite. This goes back to this everlasting talk. He's infinite in the sense that he is not subject to any limitations from humanity. Okay? So he's infinite in this. There is no limitations that he had. We're limited. We can't do everything. We can't stay up all night every night. We can't fly. I don't know. Pick out whatever you want to pick out. Like, we can't do these things. We are limited some of these things. But God the Son, <clears throat> excuse me, is infinite. But not only is he infinite in power and outside the laws, 
of humanity, but he's also personal in that he interacts with us on a corporate level, big picture here at church. How many of you felt the presence of the Lord while in worship today? In a corporate sense, if you will, we can feel his presence both physically and spiritually, but not only corporately, individually. How many of you have ever felt the presence of the Lord individually? Maybe in your prayer time or um, driving, driving your car, praising the Lord. We can worship, we can pray, we can trust in Him. And not only that, He listens and speaks and directs us. He is both infinite and personal. Now some say that you can't have it both ways. You can't have both an infinite God and a personal God. You, just, you can't have that. Gods in Greek and Roman theology, they were very personal. They, were, they would talk with people. They would fight alongside people. But they were not infinite. They had many, many flaws. They were jealous of each other. They fought with each other. In certain situations, they could even die. So they were not infinite. They were personal, but they were not infinite. These de- deistic religions, they believe that God is infinite. He is huge and he is big. But he has no concern with human affairs. He started creation and then he just let us go. He's not a personal God. And in some senses, our, in our Christian ranks, we can, uh, we can kind of fall into, well, really, either one of them. But we could fall into this one, certainly. How personal of a God is he? When we were in the Netherlands, the, the second church that, that we planted was called The Meeting Place. And it was a... Um, it's an international church, so it was an English-speaking church, so we could have, there could, there could be a church uh, that if you didn't speak Dutch, you could come and you could worship the Lord. And it was in a city called Harlem, it was right outside Amsterdam. And uh, it was a good church, a small congregation, but we love the Lord. And there was a lady that went there for a time that did not speak much English at all. She says that she understood more than she could speak, but she did not speak very much English at all. And so we had wondered, how much is she actually getting from the service? I don't know how much she's in because it was all English. Everything was in English. The worship, the preaching, uh, just the fellowship was in all English. And we just wondered how, how she even got anything. And so uh, Becky asked her one time, says, you know, you have some broken English, and you understand English a little bit, but I wonder why you've chosen to come to church here as opposed to going to a Dutch church, which is where you would most likely go. And in her broken English, um, she said, in the Dutch church, God is very powerful and very loving, and he's our savior, but he's very far. And she said, but when I come here, it's, it's, uh, he's close, is what she said. Like I can, he's here. And that, I think, is one benefit of a Pentecostal church. We go, we, we go, we feel the presence of the Lord here, don't we? We feel the presence, in worship, in worship, we feel the presence of the Lord, and we raise our hands, and we sing loud, and all these things. During the Word of God, right now, many of us, the, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you even right now during this message right now. We feel the Holy Spirit. I, I like to provide a time of prayer at the end of the sermon I offer that to you because I want you to talk to a personal God. I want you to take advantage of that as well. Not all churches have these things called altar calls, believe it or not. 
Because I, I, I want our church to remember that God is a personal God and that you can talk to him and that he listens to you. He is close to you and he is close to us. The idea that God is outside of creation, that he is so awesome and infinite, so outside the need of humans and the interaction with them, he can't be personal, can he? There's no benefit to him. But enter, O holy night, and we see that God is a personal God. Or a God that is so personal he, he, that he walks and he talks with mere sinful humans, opening himself up to corruption and death. He can't be infinite if he's personal. He must not be that majestic. And I say, enter, O holy night. Here he is. This majestic Savior that the angels interrupted the shepherds to sing about, sing about his majesty, to enter this personal Savior that walked and talked and ate with us. It's just fantastic. Pleased with us is the next line in the, in the, in the song. Pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. How many of you know that God is with us? God is with us. And, this, and it had to happen. This is how it had to happen. Hebrews chapter 2 says this. Verse 14. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as human beings could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, and who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. See, this infiniteness of God, God, you're not supposed to be able to die. That would not make them infinite. But coming as a human, he then could die for us. That's how it was able to happen. Verse 16, we also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. See, this gives us a, a little peek into some theology as well. There, there, is, there is no atoning sacrifice for angels there's no deliverance plan for angels but there is for us he didn't come to save angels they're created beings just like we are but he didn't come to help angels he came to help the descendants of abraham therefore it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us his brothers and sisters so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before god then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. The Word of God tells us this right here, that this is how it had to happen. Because you say, well, he's God. He could do anything, right? Couldn't he just zap us and be like, you're saved now? I mean, couldn't he do that? Couldn't he make it to be on some sort of merit-based? If you do these things, if you do this, this, and this, then good, you can go to heaven. And if you don't do this and this, then you can't come. That seems more fair, doesn't it? But it had to be done this way, fully God and fully human, so that he could die for our sins. But in dying, it couldn't be just anyone die. It had to be spotless. And that's where his deity comes in, that he is God. Verse 18, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. And see, that's huge. That is so huge. So when we are going through something, we know that God, that Jesus has already been through that as well. 
So when we come and we say, God, I need help, he's already been through it all. So he knows exactly what to do. He created life. He knows the parameters. He knows the boundaries. But he's been through it all so that he can help us. I'm going to add this in. I added this just last night. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You have the temptation to lie, so did he. You have the temptation to have a bad attitude to your parents or to your boss or to your friends, so did he. Do you have the temptation to lust? So did he. Do you have the temptation to do these things? Did he end up doing those things? He did not. He lived a sinless life. And that shows us the way to holiness. He shows us the way to holiness. It's, it's not anything that we do. It's by following him. It's not anything that we do. It's by following him. So he says... The last line, heart, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Can we say glory to the newborn king? Glory. Absolutely. We praise him. He is worthy to be praised. Amen? So the angels say, hark, listen up. God is with you. He is not a distant God going, well, I hope you figure it out. No, he is with you. He is with us as we walk. And for Him to be God, but yet touch us and hold our hand. Friday, Becky and I were driving, and that old Beatles song, I Want to Hold Your Hand, came on. Remember that song? And it was just funny because she said, you know, that has to be the most exciting thing about dating someone, that first time. You hold hands with them, you know. It's just that first, you know, that, that physical touch that's like, hey, I'm with you, you're with me. You know, that type of deal. That, that just has to be so exciting. And the fact that a God, not a God, that God would want to physically touch us, that has to, that is, that is so massive. Because he didn't have to, but he chose to, and he wanted to. He wanted to, yes, spiritually, but physically as well. You look at the personal nature of Jesus, and what other God would do this? To have that physical touch. Remember when he touched the leper? No one else would touch the leper because of uncleanliness. But he touched the leper. He spoke to Mary Magdalene in the garden. The words of God speaking right to Mary on that day. He walked with disciples. They had lunch together. They had dinner. They hung out. He spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well. When no one would speak to Samaritans and no one would speak to that woman because she was sinful. What did he do? He spoke to her. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. You're not supposed to do that. He talked with the religious people. Nicodemus. Nicodemus wanted to talk late at night. He had some questions. He talked with them. Jesus played with children and got on to people 
for not wanting him to play with children. He said, these are my children. I'm going to play with them. The woman with the issue of blood said that if I could just touch the hem of his garment. And she did, and she was healed because there was a physical touch. The blind man, that he began to shout, son of David. And everyone said, be quiet. And he said, don't be quiet. Let's talk. How about while dying on the cross, looked over and spoke to the repentant thief and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Has the Lord touched you? Has the Lord spoken to you? Has the Lord been with you? Has the Lord held your hand personally? I say, thank God. What other God would do that? Blake, if you guys would come on up. I am so thankful that God came with us. He's not far. He is close. And doesn't that give us a little pep in our step as we walk? Because it should. To know that the God of heaven that created it all wants a relationship with you? Wants a relationship with me? Who is me? We know our faults. We know our failures. Why would anyone want to hang out with me? Why would anyone want to hold my hand? Why would anyone, right? And Jesus says, I do. (laughs) I want to. I want to be there with you. So we're going to go into a time of of prayer. You know what? If we can just stand here together, because we're going to worship as well. But I want to give us the opportunity. Like I said, Listen, if we're going to be a church that God is near to us, then I think we should talk to him, right? Don't, don't, don't leave this place without talking to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, all right? So I'd like us to find a place to pray. And where does the Lord need to be with you? If, if, if Emmanuel means God with us, where does God need to be with you? Now, many times we want to immediately go to problems, situations that we have, which is fine. But maybe it's not always just about problems. It's about, God, I, I, I just want to know you more. I want to be with you more. For some of you, you say, I want God to be with me. I want him to be in our marriage. Not that there's something wrong with the marriage, but I want God to be in our marriage. I want God to be with my kids. Maybe there is a problem, there's a situation, a financial need, a physical need, a spiritual need, emotional need. Absolutely, pray for that. But can we find a place and talk to the Lord, a personal God who is waiting to talk to you? Just that statement, a God that is waiting to talk to us. How could we not say, okay, Lord, let's talk. I want you to be in this part of my life, in that part of my life, whatever it may be. Can we find a place to pray and let's talk to the Lord and say, God, will you be with me in this? And after we pray for a moment, then we'll come back together and we'll worship the Lord together, all right? Let's find a place to pray. Let's talk to a God who is with us. Give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is with us. And he's not just with us in these four walls, right? He is with us when we leave this place, when we go to the restaurant, when we go to work, when we go to school. He's with you when you you go to school. 
He's with you. He does not leave you alone. He is walking with you. I'm so thankful for that. Thank you so much for being a part here today, worshiping the Lord.